0: This episode of Inside the Goblin Universe brought to you by SeatsLink.com, the complete ticket experience. Use promo code GOBLINS with your purchase. SeatsLink.com.
1: My name is Robert Snow. I live in the southwest of England and I used to be general secretary of the Ghost Club, which is the oldest paranormal research organisation in the world, having been going since 1862. I've recently published a book called Strange Experiences, which is a collection of stories from my late grandfather, Dr. Richard Clay, and you're listening now to Inside the Goblin Universe.
2: Hello again, folks, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Goblin Universe. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Ronald Murphy.
0: I'm the other co-host, Sir Brian Bowden. How are you tonight, Ron?
2: You know what? I uh, I am doing well. I am dodging snowflakes right now. <laughs> uh, I it, oh, This weekend was a, a spectacular weekend. Uh, the temperature was close to 80 degrees. We were in shorts. The kids and I were out at night, you know, and... Um, Everything was fantastic. And then Sunday comes around and a cold front comes through. And now it is freezing outside and there's snow coming down. And by the grace of God, we are finally able to get this show up and running because, yes. as you can, as you will, will condemn, that uh, we were dealing with some gremlins here at the very beginning. Ooh,
0: th- yes, yeah, the gremlins yeah. are really rearing their heads in the Goblin universe tonight. That's right.
2: Um, because it seems that there's is, uh storm fronts going through left and right uh, and even though you and i are only about eight hours distance from each other uh we were having very very bad connections uh and then our guest night who was actually from from england uh we were having even worse connections with him <laughs> but I- Yes, the powers the P the powers that be, P I think have yes. have line and now we're able to to go on. But let me ask you, how was your weekend going?
0: It was very interesting. Uh, a little stressful. Bad miscommunication on my part, but we resolved that. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, thing,
2: I, was, yes. I was I was very close to retiring over the weekend uh, from from the paranormal. Uh, this is a very stressful endeavor, folks. I I will tell you that. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we, uh, our, Brian and I have quickly become like brothers and like any family there's going to be uh, some squabbling going on uh, some misinterpretation of words and uh, you know uh, so we, we were having it out there over the weekend but everything is up and running right now no more misinterpretations and everything is good and I, again I will tell you on the record I, I would rather have no other person as my co-host than Mr. Brian Bowden because I think you do a fantastic job.
0: Well I do a appreciate- I appreciate your kind words, my dear friend and sir and brother. Um, my problem is, and I get yelled at all the time by my wife, that sometimes I have conversations in my head before spitting out uh, the words. And I also need to edit and recheck before sending things. So uh, the, there was never an intention in there. It was just frustration. Um, throughout this lovely paranormal community, which has seemed to go off into the <laughs> mad, mad world of craziness. but Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, think that,
2: I, I think that whenever you step into the paranormal community, you should already get like an associate's degree at applied psychiatric sciences because it, it is one of these films where you have to deal with so many different personalities. And sometimes those different personalities are coming from the same person
0: one hundred percent i don't have multiple personalities whatsoever <laughs> that i'm aware of um, i haven't channeled anybody although i don't really necessarily believe in channels that much until you prove yourself but uh you know it's interesting i, I de- we de- you definitely need to have uh people on call to help you out in in uh, scary situations and And just to keep you a little bit more level-headed, because the goblin universe, as we call this, is very vast. There's different types of atmosphere everywhere you go, and there's positivity and negativity. I mean, there's so many different variables. You just don't want to get caught up in it.
2: Oh, you don't, you don't. And, and the other thing is, we're looking at putting on the best show that we possibly can. We try to be professionals at this. We've really tried to, to network within the community. And sometimes that network, uh, through no or own shut down rather unceremoniously and that was another bit of the problem but uh, as, as 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 of right this second all systems are go and i'm looking forward to getting this uh this this guest on here yes. who's waiting patiently in the wings because we're gonna have a fun night with this guy he he, yeah. he has the pedigree uh, uh to, to talk uh about ghosts and other things that go bump in the night and i can think of no better guest uh, to be inside the Goblin Universe with tonight uh, than this gentleman here.
0: Yes, I agree with you, and and I again I'm, I'm, I I want to thank Philip Mantle uh, at uh, Flying Disk Press for introducing us. Uh, this gentleman comes from a uh, has a history uh, to say the least of of ghosts, and um, I'm just going to introduce him because he, I cannot do the justice. But <laughs> we're proud to welcome Mr. Robert Snow. Welcome to Inside the Goblin Universe. How are you tonight, Mr. Snow?
1: I'm fine, thank you, and how are you? Oh, we're we're doing good. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're doing excellent. Yeah, we had a little pre-show uh, talk with you, and you just kind of jump into everything, and I, and I appreciate uh, you, what is it, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning over there, your time, so I appreciate you being this excited about being on our show because, you know, you, you're ready to go. Well,
1: it's quarter past two now, actually. Oh, right, oh, right, nice. right. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, don't
0: worry, I, I'm, I'm a, a night owl, really. Oh, I joined that club a long time ago. I, I kind of can't get to sleep until uh, very late, uh, the witching hour, actually. But welcome aboard. I mean, I, I, we've been reading your latest book is called Strange Experiences. And um, it, it, where, is, where did you come get this information from, for the most part? How did you come? up? Well, let's start off the easy way. How did you get involved in this paranormal craziness? Well, I
2: you seem, you seem like a perfectly normal person. Yes. <laughs>
1: you know, but, so, I, how did you get started? <laughs> well, I think i Some people might think I'm strange. I don't know. Um, I first I became interested in the paranormal through my late grandfather, who was a medical practitioner um, in the village of Fothert, which is about um, eight miles west of Salisbury. Because Salisbury's in the news at the moment, isn't it? With the uh, oh. rush with the poisoning oh, but yes. um, he he lived in an ancient house, the old manor house, and he was the third line of medical practitioners in the family and the house was haunted, although my sister and I Never experienced anything ourselves, but other people did. Uh, I mean, really, it was like a second home to us. We spent so much time there, staying with my grandparents. (laughs) And um, my grandfather was a very methodical man. Uh, He recorded everything that happened to him. Uh, Like every year when he heard the first cuckoo, uh, when the uh, snowdrops started to come out, the bluebells in the woods... You know, he loved nature, and he was—he was a brilliant man. He—he he was chairman of the parish council for over forty years, and nobody—nobody nobody dared oppose him. <laughs> 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 he was so, and he was, you know—I was very close to my grandfather, and he recorded all his experiences, plus experiences that related to him by his patients. I, in the book Strange Experiences, which is published by Flying Disc Press, and it's for sale on Amazon. And um, in it, I've recorded my grandfather's experiences, um, which, because I inherited his archives when he died, and I'm continually adding to them myself. Yeah, you did. You did a great job.
2: Uh, it, it's quite a compendium, and it reads very quickly as well. Um, I recommend the book to anybody that has an interest in parapsychology, because whenever you pick up the book, um, it reads almost like diary entries, doesn't it?
1: Yes, I mean, um, he uh, he. I once, when of course, when I was young. I remember saying to my grandfather when I was very young, are there such things as ghosts? And of course he said no, but not want, obviously not wanting to frighten me because it was it, the house, the manor house where he lives, a very ancient building and um, night time used to get a bit creepy, <laughs> you know, oak beams and oak panelling everywhere. And, um, but uh, when I got older, He started to tell me about his experiences. And, um, you know, I I had an interest in the paranormal supernatural ever since. I used to be secretary, of the general secretary of the Ghost Club, which is the oldest paranormal research organization in the world. And uh, early members of people like Charles Dickens, Everyone's heard of Arthur yes. Conan Doyle, who wrote the Sherlock Holmes stories, and several several other people. Siegfried Sassoon. I don't know whether you've heard of him. He was a poet during the First World War. Right, and you know it, what's interesting is the history.
0: Um, I'm, I'm amazed taking taking. The, the fact that your grandfather was this uh, a doctor, uh, do you think that because of, of the medical background and the, that science background, is that where he got his note traits from, to catalogue everything that's coming and going? Yeah, possibly.
1: And I think um, even before he, when he was a child, he recorded everything. And I think he's probably inherited that sort of habit from his father, who was a doctor. Yeah it, to
2: be, yeah, it seemed to be just his personality because even whenever he writes, uh, he writes with a – the wrong word is skeptical, but it's almost a matter-of-fact kind of uh, reporter, eye-in-the-sky type of uh, of witnessing that he's doing right here. He's basically laying out the stories that he's heard, and you're to do with them what you will.
1: Yes, I mean, he just, he doesn't sort of embellish facts or exaggerate. He, he just says things as they really are.
2: Right, yeah, this isn't an example of tabloid journalism in any way. He's just writing what people have told him over the years, and that's what makes this so absolutely fantastic. Um, but getting back uh, to uh, to uh, this organization yes. that involved uh, Charles Dickens and, you know, Sir <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle, um, I've always found the fascination with uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and the paranormal to be one of these things that is really, um, you know, it's really intriguing. Do you think that Dickens and Doyle and all these other people have were witnesses to the paranormal? Or was this just part of the culture of the uh, of you know of this type of Victorian age that kind of swept them up?
1: I think really a bit of both, because years ago the I mean the Ghost Cover was founded in eighteen sixty two. Um, I think um, I think that really it's a bit of both. Um, years ago, the way to investigate the paranormal was really to hold a seance. Yes. That was- and now, these days, uh, it's done more scientifically. It's funny when you say that because
0: there are people that are doing the old school seances. Si- uh, um, yeah. America, I mean, uh, most haunted, I believe, is a program over in <coughs> your, your neck of the woods that... Um, Literally would use, would bring in mediums or psychics, and they would have seances first before you know traveling throughout the properties. Um, the problem with the whole seance thing was the, um, I think it was uh, Harry Houdini in the U.S. who sh- sh- thought of them as shysters or uh, you know thieves trying to right. you know a confidence man trying to you know take the money of, of the uh, and frail. And but there is some validity to the seance.
1: Yes That's right yes was. he
0: exposed a lot
2: You're right he exposed a lot but he still believed that there was the possibility of communication with the dead he had no problem uh, discussing this
1: at length. yeah i, I mean i i um, some mediums i think are probably they think they're gen, you know they're, they they're sincere in their beliefs but i don't think they're genuine psychics there are some I went to an investigation some years ago at a place called Bowden House in Devonshire, which is also in the southwest of England. And the house was medieval in origin, 14th century, and it's like a lot of old buildings. It's undergone changes over the years. And in the Great Hall, uh, there was a medium. um, Her name is Marion Goodfellow, and she was sit. I, I was told to film her with a handheld camera it was part of the making of a, a pro, series of programs called the ghost detectives and right. she sat at the end of this large table in the great medieval hall in the center of the building and she had a large piece of paper in front of her and a, a drawing pencil and she sat there for about 10 15 minutes and i just watched her then suddenly her head went back and she was looking up at the ceiling and the hand holding the pencil started to draw the most Ah. elaborate elaborate pictures and she wasn't looking at even if she even if she was looking at the paper a normal person couldn't draw with such speed she was looking up at the ceiling and her hand started moving at the most terrific speed, and uh, she seemed to be in a trance-like state and when she came round um, when she came round she start. you know she said she couldn't draw, but even as she could I, no artist could draw such right. fantastic pictures of people which she said she saw while she was in a trance- like state right nobody could draw it was incredible. It, it's
0: you know it's very interesting now when when you watch this I think they call that automatic writing if I'm if I'm correct automatic drawing automatic drawing, getting back to the automatic writing, sir. Um, you know I, I've I've seen people actually do this and sometimes you just think oh what what you know what hoodwinking is taking place here, but when you see some of the results it was what you were just mentioning um, and you see the designs and you know that the the skill never really was there for this person. Um, it's pretty quite amazing.
1: Yeah, but even even a good artist couldn't draw such fine uh, pencil drawings of people's heads, portraits, yeah, with it's such it's skill it's at such a speed without looking without looking that's absolutely the case and there's also
2: been reports of these kind of things happening with uh, producing uh, works of literature as well too not yeah. just an artistic endeavor so it is one of those really unique type of paranormal things that people really need to delve into and I, and I don't understand why it's not taken up by you know um, by, by the site by you know mainstream psychology as well because there's some, something definitely going on
1: here. Well, there is a a psychologist I know who lives in Manchester, or just outside Manchester, northwest of England, named Steve Mirror. And he's involved with somebody called Don Phillips and a couple of other people. And they're scientifically studying the paranormal. And um, they're calling it the Phenomena Project. And there's going to be, they're making a film, which is eventually, they're going to try and sell to various television companies, I think Discovery are interested in it and uh, Steve Mera told me that, I mean he was a complete non-believer a psychologist uh, you know uh, an academic and he said that um, he was a non-believer but he's changed his mind now and (laughs) the the evidence they're going to produce when this film is shown is going to throw mud in the face of the non-believers well you know
0: I, I as an investigator myself for years before doing you know radio or, or any type of interviews um, I am I, on a scientific side as well and I want I want I, I look at the full spectrum so I, I'm looking from left to right and right to left so I'll take the the extremely out of this out of your mind type situation and then I want the scientific side and then I kind of whittle my way down to a, to a resolve you know to try to get some kind of answer but um, but I love when we have somebody with us that is totally a non-believer and, oh, this can never happen. And then something happens and then the next thing you see is, uh, you know, it's magic. It's, it's yeah. as if, it's great when, when the light breaks, you know, and, and you, can, you can see this happening. Yeah, I, not, I,
2: so, yeah, yeah, not, not so much the light breaking but the blindfold is removed, wouldn't yes. you say? Because it's always there, right? It's out there for the taking. Um, and as we get back to uh, this book that was basically you know, collected from the writings of your grandfather there, my friend, um, he had a very scientific mind. Uh, So what do you think his final judgment was concerning the paranormal, Uh, given his background in medicine and, you know, the the idea of of problem solving and scientific theory? What was your grandfather's final conclusion whenever it came to the paranormal? Or did he come to a final conclusion?
1: Uh, I think he, I can't say I ever heard him actually mention a final conclusion before he died, but um, he, he obviously was a believer I mean, he also had several. It's not only apparitions, but telepathy and things like that. Now, I had a strange experience. Uh, I, when I was in the army, and I was posted to Aden, in which is now part of Yemen and Saudi Ara- South Arabia. Right. You probably heard of it. Yep. I think I think the uh, Saudi Arabians. Uh, Are bombing hell out of it, aren't they, at the moment, or something? That's uh, it. At at, at any rate, um, I had a dream about three or four months before I actually went to Aden. I spent time in Aden, and then I went to Sharjah, which is on the Persian Gulf. And at any rate, um, I I was out that part of the world for three years. lived lived out there for three years, and I had a dream. Uh, a few months, probably about six months before I went out there. And I dreamt that I was walking around um, the army camp in what's called Little Aden, at the end of what's called the Silent Valley. I don't know if either of you know the that part of the world at all. Not, not I, as I familiar. Not no. No, any rate. And in my dream, as I walked around the, the corner... There was a tall, thin man came round uh, towards me with an Australian hat, type hat, and lots of corks hanging around it. Uh, you know, I believe they do that in Australia to keep the flies away, I believe. Ah. any, any rate, I, I just put it down as a dream. And after I'd been in Aden for about six months... Exactly that thing happened. And the man was, I recognized was, his face. He was identical to the person that I saw in my dreams. That's They're a very premonition, you know, right? Well, yes. And these things do happen. The trouble is, a lot of scientists, if something can't be explained through normal laws of physics or laws of science, um, they dismiss it. But these things, I mean, do happen. Yeah, that—that's the problem we have in this world. Is that you see on
0: the science side, uh, um, until you can recreate it and multiple times in multiple areas, it's not real. And I don't think that's—I don't think it's a valid way of thinking. I think it's a very old and I'm going to say this archaic way of thinking on on a scientific term. There are that's things right. we don't know. Um, yeah. And and you know, I am I studied physics in school, um, architecture, and I loved Einstein, but I always thought that we were you know, talk about string theory or parallel universes. I think Einstein was going down a pathway that yes, it is valid for what he's saying, but he's he's about two steps off the roadway where he has to be. And there are things on the roadway that would had Einstein been crisscrossed over, he would have realized, oh, that won't work or this would work. And we we keep going with you know, we, we ride things out till the end, until we find someone comes up to prove another theory. Hence, string theory now.
1: Yes. It's, it's it's you know, these things do happen. But, I mean, years ago, you know the, the phenomenon of St. Elmo's fire, the up top of ship's masts. Oh, yes. I mean, I do, I've never seen it. I don't know if either of you have. But years ago, people think that was... Um, paranormal
2: that's right oh sure absolutely fairy lights you know the idea of the will of the wisp and all this other stuff
1: yeah, uh in swampy ground where you've got rotten vegetation you get these um called corpse candles it's only methane uh with sort of spontaneous combustion
2: right you know but that is still the excuse that's offered here in the United States a lot with UFO sightings, even the 21st century. Uh, they still pull out that old chestnut. It was swamp gas. You still hear that (laughs) every now and then, my friend. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a UFO. Have have you? I have, I have
2: have not. Brian has seen Yeah, Brian has seen a lot of this stuff. I have not. Um,
0: I could send you some video if you'd like to see it. I've actually videotaped them. (laughs) Um, and and what was great, I actually had some of those witnesses there that were uh, um, non-believers. <laughs> but um, yeah. it's it's an interesting thing. If you want to go see a UFO, I recommend heading out to Hull. Um, take a little trip. You know, when the weather gets nice, the shore's there too. And uh, go to Hull. I'll introduce you to uh, Paul Sinclair. He'll take care of that UFO thing for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a Warminster in in Wiltshire, isn't it? Yes. Around- Stonehenge. Now, Stonehenge. I think a lot of the uh, UFOs are launched from Earth because there's an experimental aircraft establishment not far away. It's a place called Boscombe Down. I think a lot of them are, you know, strange experiments. Not all of them. No, I
0: we I I, I agree that we. I think we've reverse engineered some of this technology. Um yeah and and we're, we're kind of making our own craft right now. There's a rumor that the U.S. alone is about 100 to 150 years ahead of anybody technology-wise, um, but they have yet to to pull out the big guns. They have no reason to.
1: Area 51.
0: Area, yeah, well, that was the old place. There are a couple other places you may want to visit too, if you can get to, that I think they've moved a lot of the, the bulk of the programs to scatter it around. Area 51 got too much press.
1: We've got our, I suppose our equivalent to Area 51 is um, a place called Port and Down, where they do a lot of uh, experiments in chemical warfare, our top secret. Have you heard of it, Port and yes, Down? Yes,
0: yes. It's, it's, um, they, they play with the really nasty things there. <laughs> um, yes. It's pretty scary, actually.
1: But um, another thing that interests me, I've read on the internet a lot about Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I, I would like to visit there, wouldn't you, spend time there? I would I would love
0: to go. I mean, if you want to try to get a road trip, I don't know if we can get in there. I think uh, Bigelow, I don't know if he sold it or he o- or still owns it. Um, he sold
1: it, I believe.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to wonder who bought it. <laughs> um, I used to know this information. But There's still terrific security, I believe. is still there. Um, there's a tremendous amount of security there, and if what they're saying is uh, true, um, there was a pretty much a a, a firefight between uh, alien races and and, and, and earthlings.
1: They've uh, got virtually everything there: poltergeist, UFO, uh, animal mutilation. Now oh, that's a, that's an interesting thing as well. Yeah,
2: cryptid sightings. It's really one of those bizarre, strange places on Earth that seems to be the perfect storm for all things paranormal and a lot of things that Brian and I talk about on Inside the Goblin Universe is the idea of portals of these uh, natural openings within the Earth's surface Uh, you know, whether you call them ley lines over in England or what have you, you know, whatever vernacular you're going to use to describe these points of power within the natural earth grid. But it seems like that's one of the places the same way Avebury and Wiltshire seems to be these other places. It's very, very fascinating but it seems that that's what's going on there. And, you know, there's all manner of paranormal phenomenon that occurs at
1: that particular spot. I used to work for the till I was May Redundant for English Heritage, which is the Uh, British government's historic buildings and monuments, Commissioner. Look after all the ancient buildings and monuments in the care of the government. And I was at Stonehenge for a long time. And that is a very strange place. Well, I I mean... When I
0: went there many, many moons ago, um, I happened to go. I came out of a pub at one night, and I said, oh, is there a fire? And they said, no, this is fog. (laughs) And, of course, the next morning I was out out to Salisbury and and Bath and Stonehenge. Um, It it is such a mystical place. I would love to be able to get, um, not free reign, but, you know, to be able to walk the grounds,
1: get a little bit closer to the stones, feel the stones. Being a government organization, they charge a hell of a lot of money. Oh, so not-
0: yeah. That's the problem. But you know, besides Stonehenge's the big ring around Stonehenge they, they recently uncovered, and there's a bigger ring um, that is uh, miles away, uh, that that another henge that that's been buried under the ground.
1: Which yes,
0: looks very interesting and promising.
1: Because Avery, the village, is built inside a stone circle.
0: Yes, and and. You know, when Ron was mentioning before about, you know, us looking at these things as portals, why was it built in, this, in, in, in a stone circle? I think there was more to it than just a protection factor.
2: Yes. I, I believe so as well. I mean, think about today. Paranormal investigators, they'll be out, and oftentimes they will protect themselves by using a ring of salt around them. Might be what's going on in Abury. But it seems like there's something else a little strange going on there as well, too. Um, all very, very interesting things, which is the reason why Brian and I have to get back over to Great Britain and do some really on-the-ground uh, uh, um, you know, uh, investigating. I mean, that's, that's what it really takes right now. Because I don't think a lot of people are looking into this phenomenon like they should. You've been to England, have you? I have, yes,
1: sir. Yeah. You'll be coming back? We're going to try. Uh, to- we're hoping,
2: uh, hoping in the summer—not this summer, but next summer of 2019. Uh, so I, I, I hope you will be there too, uh, to go well, out yeah,
1: with us. Yeah, get in, You know, keep in touch. It'll be nice to. It's nice to make new contacts in foreign countries. Oh, absolutely. 100%. It is.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's the whole thing about uh, our show. Uh, not only does it provide a forum in which to discuss the paranormal, but it also allows for an incredible amount of networking to be able to go on. I mean, never before in the history of humankind are we able to disseminate ideas across countries and across cultures so easily. And we have, you know, we have people that listen to the show in Australia and China and Japan and Great Britain and, uh, you know, in the United States and bringing all these kind of people together is great. Now, I will also tell you that we are on the uh, para Radio Network, and we also have a very great chat room there as well, too. Right. So I invite you to come on into the chat room whenever yes, this live. airs. Yeah, and then you can actually live chat with other listeners because they will invariably have questions for you.
1: Yes, but, you know, it's a, it's a subject. It's a fest, It never ceases to interest me. That's right, and that's why we do this, right? It becomes yep. a passion. It doesn't
2: just become one of these little hobbies for us. It actually becomes something that be, uh, it becomes a life's quest for you. Almost a profession. No, almost a almost. profession, that's right.
0: But, you, you know, I find this, and I don't mean to discredit anybody, but I think this is a very intellectual pursuit, because, yes. you, can, you know, there's, we, we, have a, we have a problem in this entire field, and it doesn't matter if you're UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, or what have you. Um, you're going to have the, the left side and the right side, and one side is going to be more scientific, and the other side is going to be out of their minds. And there's this, this ether between the two, but, you know, I, I, I kind of lean more towards the scientific side, but I, I'm not one of those that are afraid to look outside the box and, no, but- and count that in,
1: in the equation. Some people. I mean, I've I've been on investigations. I've lost count of how many. Um, and I I've been interested in the paranormal for over sixty years. That ages me, doesn't it? <laughs> it it tad um, bit. <laughs> You're like a
2: fine wine, my friend. You get better with age. I'm
0: seventy three now. Well, you you what? know you, you got to keep going. Your grandfather kept going, and you know you, you got to keep that
1: trait going. It's the tablets that do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the like from my experience. <coughs> excuse me. Some sure. people have an overactive imagination. Yes. Uh, no, is, something, is there's a noise or something that can't explain? Oh, it's a ghost. Mm. But, uh, and um, they just go there for a thrill, mm. they're not really interested. But I've seen people who come along to investigations, absolute sceptics, don't believe anything. It's a load of cobblers. And um, at the end of the evening, they've changed their mind. (laughs) When I came out of the army, I worked for a government department called the Inland Revenue, dealing with the taxes. I had a a serious injury in the forces and I had a medical discharge. And um, my boss was very friendly with a family the name of Pinney, who lived in an ancient manor house in West Dorset called Betterscombe Manor. Inside the house is preserved a human skull. And the legend is, if you take that skull out of the house, you'll die. And it's a grade one listed building, and you could view it by appointment with the owner, Michael Pinney, who's since died. Um, and he told me that some people used to come in and say, oh, a legend of the skull, you know, say you'll die if you take it out of the house. It's, a, you know, a load of rubbish. So he'd hand them the box with the skull in it, the cardboard box, and say, so if you don't, <laughs> take it out of the house, nobody ever would. There's always that element of doubt. And I think a lot of <laughs> people, people say they don't believe in ghosts because they're afraid people will make fun of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing is, I, I do a lot of conferences and a lot of talks, and uh, my one friend, uh, Virginia Chrisman, had this great quote. She said, people who don't believe in ghosts even believe in ghosts. And that is true. I think I think whenever you, you, you get right to the crux of everything, uh, you can say that you're a skeptic, About a lot of things, but that's really one thing that's part of the human imagination, the human consciousness, that we simply cannot completely dismiss outright.
1: No, but I mean, there's no doubt ghosts do exist. That's right. I agree. agree. There's no doubt whatsoever.
0: 100%. Um, I've seen them. Uh, Skeptics, I know, have seen them. My wife's seen them. <laughs> my wife's seen my grandfather in, in, my, in my grandparents' house, um, The Ghost of Him, which was it's, it was a pleasant uh, experience. Uh, one of the experiences I had, and you, and you mentioned some of these in the book where you, you're kind of dreaming, and it's, it's almost so real that you don't know if it is a dream or not. Um, yes. I, I had an experience where I, I, I was in a, I was just walking in a restaurant, and there sitting at a table was my grandfather who passed away when I was 16. And he got up to greet me, smiling. I gave him a hug and a kiss, and you know, I was I was happy as anything to see him. And we sat down, and he started saying something. He was worried about my mother, and on top of that, I said, "But uh, Grandpa, you're dead." He goes, "I know I am, honey, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I'm worried about Mom." And we went through that. And later on, I, I didn't reveal anything to my mother, or my grandmother, or anybody else. Um, but my mother did have an illness, um, heart attack. So it, this was within months of this happening within 6 months. So it's pretty interesting you mentioned a couple of situations like this in, in your in the book that just touch touch home I mean especially if you're an investigator. Yeah, but
1: I have um I mean I've I had uh, about 4 years ago a series of yeah you know, fatal heart attacks but I thought the, the Grim Reaper had come for me but you know. But um, my mother was Suffering from Alzheimer's after my my father died, and she went on lived in a nursing home for about ten years. And she, you know, my mother and I, were very close. And I used to go up there sometimes, uh, once a month, to pay the bill because I was her attorney. I had, looked after her affairs and uh, you probably i don't know if you've ever seen anyone with alzheimer's it's a very distressing complaint
2: yes no yeah I- I, yeah, yeah I, I worked with uh, people with alzheimer's for almost a decade and it is one of those things where you know humanity is slowly drift, uh stripped away from you
1: but at any rate i i used to occasionally call in and see her but not often Because the the nursing home staff realized that I found it extremely upsetting and it made me very distressed. Anyway, one particular Sunday, about about 11, 15, 11, 30, I thought I'd phone up the nursing home and see how mum was. So I, I phoned up and they said, well, you know, she is going downhill. Um fairly quickly but it's, there's no immediate cause for concern you know she'd go on quite a bit longer yet um, I mean my mother used to be quite a chubby lady and near the end at the end she was like somebody from Belson all just skin oh, and bones Yeah, it was, it was terrible but um, at any rate I phoned up and they said don't you know don't no need to come up don't bother to come up because it will only upset you more <laughs> So, about an hour or so later, I suddenly had an urge to get in the car and drive up to the nursing home, which is about 15 miles from where I live. I don't know why, but I had to get there urgently. And I went in, I spoke to the duty nurse. She said, oh, you go go up to your mother's room, you know where it is. So, I went up there. And I just talked to her and she was just lying there with a vacant expression on her face. And I held her hand and then suddenly she squeezed my hand with terrific strength and it really hurt. It bruised my hand and she gave a big smile and and then tears started to run down her face and then she just stopped breathing and, and passed away. So I rang for the nurses who confirmed she was dead. Now, I think, my, you see, my mother and I did everything together. I think she was telepathically waiting for me. She knew she was going to go, but she didn't want to go. She wanted me there. That's the only thing I can... And I I, only- ag- I agree.
0: I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, it's it's when you have a connection with someone, and again, from the book, you, please, people, you pick up this book. It's, it's it's fascinating. And there are these little stories, and each one, it, they'll ring a bell, and it touches on, on multiple chords. But I, I, I thoroughly believe that when you are so close to someone that sometimes they do wait or they do communicate to you when it's time to go. And on top of that, I think if you're on... If you're not there or you're so upset from the passing, they'll come back to you within 48 hours after they passed away and make their presence known to tell them, uh, your loved ones, I'm okay.
1: You know, when she smiled, there seemed to be a transformation in her face. She She looked well and younger for us maybe a few seconds i i don't know but when the way she squeezed my hand i would not have thought she had the strength to do it and it really hurt and she gave a big smile and then tears started to run down her, her cheeks and she just passed away with a. A peaceful look on her face.
0: May I ask you, Robert? Yeah. Um, do you, can you still feel if you just close your mind and your mind's eye? Can you still feel that 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 grab? That you know her her grab around your your hand, you know, because you, you said it was so strong that it hurt. Sometimes they do certain things to let let you give you a memory
1: to remember yes. that that well, moment. I, you know, I never feel another strange thing happened to me. Uh, which I mentioned in the book after my grandfather's experiences. Um, it's it's a rather a long, I won't, it's best for people to read it for themselves. It's called A Nocturnal Visitor. I don't know whether you yes. remember that. We did. Yes. yes, absolutely. That was very interesting. And, you know, that was really a case of, I think, out-of-body experiences from my Russian friend, Anatoly, you know, yep. um, it takes long to go through the story, but um, when I got that phone call uh, explaining how he had seen my bedroom, he's never been there. Yeah. And he described it in exact detail. The, the night that I had that, I woke up and saw him standing by the side of my bed. Most extraordinary experience.
0: It, it, it's Takes you back a little bit, and 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 you you know that there, there's this there's this place between uh, uh, consciousness and that 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 REM sleep that they call that that ether that's pretty much like the goblin universe that 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 we deal with and things magical stuff happens there and people you may not want to believe it or not but there's a lot of stuff that takes place that is the stuff of fantasies and fables from some of the greatest writers out there and i think they thoroughly have either experienced it or have been to that those spots um, that's why they've written all these great works
2: Right. It's part of our collective unconscious. Everybody has a once upon a time in us, you know, we are part of that. We're part of that tradition. Um, And I think that we need to open up to that. Uh, Science has basically said that all that we're talking about right now is stuff of superstition. And, you know, it can be explained by the brain uh, firing off synapses at the very end and everything. But that does not account for the feeling that you have with you right now, Robert, or the feeling that I have with me uh, after my grandmother died, who had Polio, and she was wheelchair bound for the last decade of her life, and she appeared to me in my bedroom, you know, walking up to me. So, I mean, nothing, you know, it's it's very hard for me to look at this skeptically and from a scientific point of view because what I feel emotionally about it uh, outweighs any scientific notion I have.
1: I had a a few nights ago, probably ten days ago, or ten nights ago, I had a. I don't know whether it was a dream or not i i woke up i mean sometimes i don't know you've had the experience um you wake up and you're still dreaming do you know what i mean i do i absolutely do yes yeah Well, i i woke up and there was in the moonlight shining through the bedroom there was a it may have been a, a dream i don't know but there was a rather an evil-looking man standing, looking over me. Uh, he looked as he may have been Middle East, an Arab or something, wearing a sort of cloak. But I got the feeling that he was very, very good and that he was trying to help me. Although he looked evil, you know, but yep. I, I wasn't frightened. I got a very strong feeling that this per- he, he was, he was good very good and i didn't have to be afraid
0: do you ever are Are you still in contact with uh members of the ghost club oh yes yes and do you ever have chat i mean i i would love to be a fly on the wall just to know some of the well, chats
1: you- that take place <laughs> we've got members all over the world
0: well i, I think we're going to need a membership ron <laughs>
2: Uh, you know absolutely i think that this is the i if if you uh mr Snow, are, are any uh uh you know if you are if, if you're part of this group i would love to be part
1: of this group yes yeah but you could if you go on uh on the website put in ghost club okay i think it is yeah uh, if you look there, you can join you've got members in places like russia
0: that's going to be great. I think we're going to be joining the uh, Ghost Club, Ron.
2: Yeah, and let's get somebody else on from there as well, too, to talk about, you know, uh, how, how you become a member. Uh, and that's a good thing about this radio show as well, too. Uh, it opens up all new territories that I had never considered before.
1: Yeah, you didn't know you could join them when you were overseas then. Well, no, I just no. assumed <laughs> this was, you know, a membership-only
2: thing that you had to be invited, kind of like the Illuminati.
1: No, I am in. Um, you know, I said I <laughs> I've, done, I've done some research for Russian television station. Go to Moscow sometimes. I'm in touch. Um, he doesn't speak English, but his son, who is in Norway, uh, his name Oleg. I'm in touch with um, a Professor Victor Feferlov, who is um, he's a scientist. At Tomsk University in Siberia, Northern Russia, and I speak to him on Skype sometimes. His son Oleg acts as an interpreter, and he is doing a lot of research into poltergeist.
0: Yeah, there's. It's really interesting. There's select individuals throughout the globe, select cultures. Russia is one of them. India is another one. Um, the Chinese-Asian uh, area is, has a ton of spirits and people that are into this. It seems like that, it, that although there's poltergeists prevalent throughout the world, um, there are certain places that are hot spots. and I don't know why. But um, look at Rasputin. I, I was wondering, was uh, Rasputin part of the Ghost Club at all? I don't know. <laughs> that would be pretty interesting to, to, to look
1: into. But um, uh, Victor Feferlov has uh, said these things definitely happen. And, you know, he, Russia is, you probably, I know America's done research into remote viewing, haven't they? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. But right, I tell you what, Russia is Far, far ahead of of the of the U.S.
0: Um, we we have a couple good remote viewers here. Um, I'm doing a pretty good job at it these days. So, uh, <laughs> and it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting gift to be able to do what what people do. Some do it a lot better. Ingo Swan was amazing. Um, I have a couple of brethren through my fraternal organization that are are pretty uh, top-notch psychics that are friends with Ingo or were friends with do Ingo. You,
1: do you do it?
0: Yes, I actually do do it. <laughs> um,
1: do you put yourself in a trance-like state or what?
0: It, it's it's not really a trance-like state. It's um, you really have to calm yourself down, and you have to start just give your give yourself moments of peace. Or I use something called binaural beats, which kind of just um, bring you into a. Um, not a, a, a trance state, but more of like a yoga would state where you control your breathing, and you and you can focus without thinking. And then <laughs> once you, that do, happens, it it kind of works a lot better. Actually, when you're more tired, it works better.
1: Can you Do you visit places overseas? Um,
0: I've visited places. I have. Um, I haven't visited too many places overseas, but I, I visited places in the U.S. Basically, the, what happens is if so, uh, one of our friends or, or colleagues was not feeling well, so I decided to go and, and send the healing there and, and see what's wrong with, with their home and see if I could help. And but, um, I find that whenever I get to a situation which requires help or there's something wrong there, what I've learned after numerous times of doing this now, I've woken up to the fact that why do I keep getting back to the same spot where I'm seeing the same thing? And that's basically, it takes me to right to the, directly to the point that I, I have to focus on. Um,
1: to Russia is... Um Apparently, they got some very, very good remote viewers, and they use it for military purposes.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where um, they are really good at it. We have a couple, of, we, have, we have a lot of people here in this country that are good at it, um, and and the programs are still running. Um, but the Russians are definitely have a, a leg up on us, and. Uh, it's an interesting subject. We could we should definitely talk about that some other time. We have about three minutes left, gentlemen.
2: Are, are you serious? This I, show, I'm serious. Oh, I apologize,
0: but they're very strict now on on this new network. So, <laughs> I don't want to go over and and get everybody cut off. So,
2: yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to definitely have to have you on our show again. But before before we uh, we we sign off here again, tell us tell the
1: listeners where we get this book. Um, you can get it on Amazon. It's published by Flying Disk Press, and um, basically, you'll see it on Amazon if you go into Amazon under books. Put strange experiences.
0: Yep. And and Robert, where can if if the listeners want to contact you, um, where can they reach out to you to maybe if they have questions or concerns. But well, if you can give you
1: got my email
0: address, I do. So if anybody comes our way and and hits our our questions at Inside the Goblin Universe from our website form or the the station's form, I will forward that to you. So,
1: yeah, sure. Yes, um, I mean I'm always pleased to to hear new have new information. Um, my grandfather's archives are now considered many, probably a couple of hundred times larger than they were originally. And um, I've got thousands and thousands of documents and I've transcribed them all and put them on my computer word for word.
0: It's, it's, I, I love the tradition that is continuing and I want it to continue for, for a millennium. Uh, yes. So make sure you pass it to the right people. <laughs> That's
2: right. Yeah, um, Brian and I both wrote the book. We're not. We're not going to say that we did not. You know, we read the book and we we didn't. We read your book. Uh, it's extremely interesting. Uh, it's a very quick read for those people that think you don't have time yes. to sit down and read a novel. Uh, you can take this chunk by chunk, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, and uh, to tell you the truth, uh, my friend, we were very flattered to have you on. Uh, you you, you are not only a great investigator and a great asset to the paranormal world, but you're also a fantastic human being, and I thank you for coming
1: on with us. Well, I, I, it's a pleasure to be on. I mean, I'm very honored to be on your show. I appreciate well, we, that. We, we, we totally appreciate that.
0: And the next time you're on, we're going to try to do video, everybody, okay? And, and yeah, then we're I'm, going to get into some, some other stuff too because yeah. we have conversations that are taking place prior to our show and they would make a great show of themselves. So we're going to start going into different areas and it, and it could be very interesting. It's always good to get a different perspective.
1: Yeah, but I mean, um, I'm happy to, to, to oblige any time. Sure. I mean, I've really enjoyed talk, uh, chatting to you both. It's, it's been fantastic.
0: As, as I have, and I know Ron has as well, and we do appreciate it. And, again,
1: thank you, Philip Antle. <laughs> Hello, we reg- must, we must, must keep in touch on we, a regular, regular basis.
2: We definitely oh, will. Oh, absolutely will. Absolutely. You can count on it.
0: And then yeah. when you get that knock at, like, 2 in the morning on your door, it could be us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. no, yeah, we'll we'll I- give you the heads up when we get all- yeah, you. Exactly house it's over 250 years old probably nearer 300 but unfortunately there aren't any ghosts Or so if there are they haven't made themselves known. <laughs> wow, wow,
2: wow well i'll tell you what my friend you can yes. actually get some sleep now how does that sound yes.
1: <laughs> sounds great but I, I i'm not feeling tired because it's been you know it, it's such a We've had such an interesting conversation.
0: Oh, I, I've been <laughs> there. You know, your brain's working overtime now. It's a nice,
1: it's academic conversation, yes.
0: It is. <laughs> I agree with you. I
2: agree with you. But for now, yep. for now, if we're going to stay on the network, we're going to have to sign off, my friend. <laughs> of uh, but we will that. get in touch with you with you very, very soon. But And I hate to do this, Brian. I hate to have to sign off. I don't but, like you doing that either. I don't,
1: know,
0: but
1: hey, from Ronald Murphy inside the Goblin Universe, and this would um, be you can do. This would be a podcast, but it's all on
0: um, Para on, X. Uh, it's going to be on Para X Radio, yes, and we're going to be on also our pod being inside the Goblin Universe. Uh, a podcast that I
1: can download.
0: Yes, we're going absolutely to yes, and we're going to send M- that over to you. M- MP3 file. Yep, MP3. Yeah that's yep. Yep. That's it and Ron we got about 15 seconds send us home
2: <laughs> all right to all you goblins out there and I hate to say goodbye but hey my name is Ronald Murphy
0: I am Sir Brian Bowden
2: and next week until next week inside the Goblin Universe we'll say goodnight
0: Mythologies found around the world and tread through nearly forgotten legends as the crypto guru Ronald Murphy sets sail on his quest for mermaids travel through history and wade the vast expanses of time and space as the author seeks to uncover why these beguiling creatures are so pervasive in human culture On Mermaids an exploration of mermaid folklore from ancient origins to modern culture is now available at Amazon.com Be sure to attend the lecture that accompanies this book at the Cryptozoological Conference hosted by Lauren Coleman in Portland, Maine, Summer 2018.